Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Christmas was this week. Who enjoyed Christmas? Who had fun? Who caught up with family? Who still has a fridge full of leftovers waiting at home? Growing, growing up on the farm, I remember Christmas really, really well. We had sheep, which means that we always used to have lots of lamb in the fridge. It was very rare for us to have ham in the fridge. And every Christmas, mum would buy that leg of ham, the big one. When we were a family of six plus extended family, it was the big one. And I don't know about you, but that, that thing seemed to last for weeks. We used to love it at the start, hate it at the end. Are you with me? It would get put into like a calico bag in the fridge and you'd pull the calico bag out and all of, you sort of didn't want to touch the bag by the end. It was all a bit, ooh. I don't know about you, but I have a love-hate relationship with leftovers. I love it when we have leftovers in the fridge. It means that I've got a ready-made lunch for the next day. Although I must admit, now that I have a teenage son, that is happening far less <laughs> nowadays. I love when you have a curry at night and it goes into the fridge and then all the flavours infuse overnight and it always tastes better the next day. I've got this love relationship, the pasta sauce that melts into all of the pasta is oh, so much better, so much better. But there's also a hate side to my relationship with leftovers. Have you ever opened the fridge and peered up the back and you see a mystery meal? <laughs> and you look at it and the first question that goes through your mind is, what is it? Followed by, is it still good? And I don't know why, but sometimes you should find that mystery meal and it should just go straight into the bin. Take the loss of the container, just discard. But you can't. You've got to open it just to find out, is, is it still good? And you find out real quick it wasn't. There's the hate side of this relationship I have with leftovers. I hate our plastics cupboard at home. Maybe it's just me, but my plastics cupboard always seems to be spring-loaded. You, you need the plastics to keep the leftovers, but as soon as you open the door, it all ends up on the floor, and then you... What do you do with that? I have this love-hate relationship with leftovers. But when it comes to food, leftovers show blessing. Leftovers show that there was actually an ample supply to start with. Yeah. Leftovers show an abundance of blessing towards us. Yeah. Leftovers show filling. It means that everyone who was at the table had all that they wanted. And there was still some leftover. Today, 
we're going to have a look at an account in the Bible where Jesus supplied so much that there were leftovers afterwards. And so if I can ask you, grab your Bibles, grab your devices if you so choose. Let's turn to John 6, verse 1 to 13. You can follow on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. And we're going to have a look at the account of the feeding of the 5,000. It says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Let me give you a bit of context to this scripture. This scripture is actually one of two accounts that's actually recorded in all four gospels. The second account is actually that of the resurrection. So the one thing or the two things that all of the disciples wanted to make sure all of them recorded was the resurrection of Jesus. That's a really good place to make a start. And this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, which sort of tells us a bit about the significance of what is actually going on here. You see, Jesus and his disciples jumped in a boat because they were trying to get away from the crowds. John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, had literally just been beheaded. Jesus had just found the, heard the news for himself. And he wanted to take a little bit of time out to mourn, to grieve. And so he jumped in a boat and headed across the lake. A journey of about four miles. But because the crowd knew where he was going, they actually ran around the shoreline and met him over on the other side. So Jesus, in an emotional state, his cousin had just been killed by the ruler of the day. <clears throat> Looking for some time out, didn't get it. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I need some time out, it's best for the crowd to stay away. Are you the same? My family knows it. Oh, just leave that alone for a little bit. But the crowd had already gone to the other side and Jesus, seeing them, took compassion on them. And so he wanted 
to make sure that they were looked after. And he didn't just supply what was needed. He actually supplied beyond what was needed so that there were leftovers for everyone. You know, as 2018 draws to a close, I've been reflecting on God's provision and the leftovers that he has in my life. You know what? I'm grateful for those leftovers. I'm grateful that God has provided more than just my immediate need, but has provided so much more than that so that I get to have and experience leftovers. You know what? The first area where I see that God has done this in my life is actually in creation. If you go to Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a simple and yet profound statement. In the beginning. In other words, we had a beginning. We weren't just, the earth, the natural order that we see just wasn't always around, but there actually was a beginning. Secondly, that God created That means that God actually isn't bound by the same limitations that I'm bound by. He stands outside of the constraints that I feel because he created. And what did he create? The heavens and the earth. Now, the last time I checked, is there anyone here not in the heavens or the earth? He created everything with a generosity that helped give us leftovers. Genesis 1 goes on to say that he actually created just by thinking it and speaking it. Wow. There's power right there. I thought it, spoke it, done. Everything that we see. You know, I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that in creation there's all these leftovers. Just think about it for a moment. How about oxygen? God could have created it just... So there was enough to take a breath for all of us at any point. But no, he created enough so that there's leftovers, so that we can breathe easy. And not only that, but he created a regenerative system in the earth as well. The plant life to make sure that the oxygen keeps getting replenished. Have you thought about just the diversity of the plant and the animal life that we have around us? What did God have to create? Did he have to create all this diversity? No, but he did. Because it shows what God is all about. It shows that he wants to give us not only what is needed, but beyond what is needed. You know, I'm not a cat person. I'm just not. But even when you look at the diversity, house cat, not so much. Lion. I like lions. I do. And just the diversity that God has created with has given us these leftovers. For a moment, just think about the galaxies. How many galaxies do we really need? One. How many suns, stars do we really need? One. And yet God has created so much that there's leftovers. You know, people would actually 
Most scientists would say that there's somewhere between 100 billion and 200 billion galaxies out there. And that each galaxy would have billions of stars. I don't know about you, it just boggles my mind. I don't get it. Do you know what? 100 billion, it's such a large number that we almost go, whoa. If you convert 100 billion seconds, 100 billion seconds is 3,170 years. 100 billion galaxies just out there. God created just by speaking. Amazing. Why? Why would he do it? Is he just showing off? Do you know what? I actually think in part he is. In part he is showing off. You see, in Romans 1 verse 20, it says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Why does God create with leftovers? So that we as humans can clearly see him. The second area that I see that God creates not just what I need, he doesn't give me just what I need, he actually gives me enough with leftovers, is with his grace. Who here is thankful for the depth of God's grace towards us? You see, in Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 7, it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated with him, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done. You see, it's by God's grace that he doesn't give us what we deserve. It's by God's grace that he doesn't treat us with anger or condemnation. He doesn't give us the eternal punishment that we deserve. It's God's grace that sees us saved. You see, literally we were drowning in a river of our own sin and God himself threw a lifeline out to us through his grace. How? Because he redeemed us. Just like we would redeem one of those vouchers that we got at Christmas. We'd take it to the store and we would swap it for something that we want. God's redeemed us by sending Jesus Christ himself to the cross to purchase us for himself. See, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God doesn't use an eyedropper to dispense his grace. I'm so glad that he doesn't just go, oh, a drop for you, and a drop for you, and a drop for you. I'm so glad that this isn't how God chooses to dispense his grace. You see, God doesn't use an eyedropper. God uses a bucket. You see, God gets his grace and he sloshes it around in the bucket 
And then, no, I'm only kidding. You see, God doesn't want us to get a drop of grace. He wants us to be saturated in his grace. He wants us to be drenched in his grace. He wants us to be dripping in his grace. He wants to give grace to us, not just what we need, but with leftovers so that we can share with others. It is impossible to outsin God's grace. It's given lavishly to us. The third area that I see that God has given to us, not just at what we need, but with leftovers, is with power. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word power. Most of us think it's an external power. Most people want it to be control or authority over others. And yet the power that God gives us is an internal power. In Ephesians 3, It says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Five verses, three times, power is mentioned. We're meant to be empowered internally. Did you notice that he says, may you have the power to understand God's love. Why do you need power to understand? Because God's love isn't meant to be known theoretically. God's love is meant to be known practically. It's meant to be known experientially. And because, so because of that, we need the power to understand God's love. And we need power to accomplish His plans through us. You see, just like His grace, God isn't stingy when it comes to giving us power. He wants to equip us with everything that we need to live a life of godliness. God has provided each and every one of us with enough power with leftovers that we need to make sure that we're tapping into it. And I think that that's where we go wrong most of the time. Most of the time our first thought when we face a problem isn't, well, let's pray about it. I think that most of the times, their first thought is, what does Google say? And we replace having the power of God in our lives with Google. Now, Google's not bad, but it's no substitute for having the power of God at work in us. Let's make sure that we're tapping into the power that God has for all of us. How about God's vision? For us, God hasn't just given us enough vision. He's given us more than enough vision. Vision with leftovers. Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. 
And be sure of this, I am with you to the ends of the age. You know what? The church has been working on that vision for the last 2,000 years. And as a church, we are not going to stop working on that vision any time soon. One statement supplies enough vision to carry the church all the way through. So what changes? It's not the vision that changes, it's our strategies that change. And church, I need to let you know that at Victory, we have more than enough vision and strategy to be moving forward with. You know, connecting people to God, to His church and their purpose, it's not just a catchy saying. We actually mean it. And we want to do everything we can to remove any blockage that there is that stops people connecting. And because of that, it means that there will be some changes that we're going to make next year. Because we don't want anything that we do hinder someone else from connecting in. God's vision is all-encompassing. But every single one of us needs to find where we fit within that vision. And it's only when we do what God is calling us to do that we'll actually see his kingdom extended here on earth. Remember, we're talking about where God provides more than we need, so much that we have leftovers. How about with family? It almost sounds wrong, right, that God's given us leftover family. For some of us, maybe we do treat our family as a bit leftover, but let's not go there this morning. In Romans 8, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you were received, when you received God's spirit, he adopted you as his own children. We now call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Look, we know that Christmas is actually a bit of a bittersweet time for some people. For some people, it's difficult because of the loss of family, the loss of relationship, however that may come. But just for a moment, have a quick look around. Our last service for 2018, and we're all sitting with our brothers and sisters in Christ with more than enough family to go around. Regardless of your natural family and what that might look like, here is a supporting, loving community of family just wanting to be with you. I don't mean to minimise or any pain that you may be feeling. But let's remember the upsides. God has given us an excess of family to be with. Look, to be honest with you, I could keep going on and on and on about the areas, some of you may think I already have, about the areas of my life where God has provided not just what I need, but enough with leftovers. We could talk about his love, his mercy, his compassion, the gifts, the talents that he's given us, that God has provided so abundantly for us. And, you know, I'm so thankful for those leftovers from God. I'm thankful for the leftovers in the fridge. 
I'm thankful for the leftover places in my life where I have that little bit more than what I need. But I think that the trap that we fall into, and that's particularly here in the Western world, is that whilst God provides enough for us with leftovers, that we actually only serve him out of our leftovers. You see, we look at it and we say, oh, look, I've got a little bit of spare time, so maybe, maybe I'll volunteer a little bit. Or I've got a little bit of spare money, so I'll throw that in the offering bucket. Or I've got a little bit of spare room in my house, so maybe we'll give some hospitality. But then when we don't have spare anymore, then we just withdraw. And we pull it all back out. You see, it's physically impossible to survive on the leftovers in your fridge. Think about it for a moment. Your fridge right now might be stocked, chock-a-block full of all these leftovers, but give it a week. Because in a week's time, whatever you haven't consumed will probably need to be thrown away. It's actually physically impossible to live off our leftovers. At some point, we have to go back and we have to create firsts again so that we might have those leftovers. And similarly, it is impossible to honour God with our leftovers. We always honour God with our firsts. Come back with me to the feeding of the 5,000. That miracle, 5,000 men plus women plus children. Most people would say that there was about 15,000 people there that day. That miracle was made possible because of Jesus, absolutely. But also made possible because a little boy gave up his firsts so that Jesus could come along and bless those first to create the leftovers for everyone else. See, we need to offer up our firsts to God. Now look, to be honest with you, I find it really hard to imagine that out of 15,000 people, there was only one boy that was found with food. Maybe the disciples just weren't looking that hard. Maybe the disciples just thought, hey, look, this is an impossible task. It doesn't matter what we find. And so they found a boy and brought him along. Maybe everyone else just had their food in their pockets. Who's ever been on a road trip? You stock up before the road trip, the lollies are going around the bus. But there's always that one person that always just seems to be eating something different to what everyone else is eating. And if you watch them for long enough, they just sneak a little bit of their own stuff. Maybe the people in the crowd were like that. Maybe they had their own little stash. But however it happened, there was one boy with five pieces of barley flatbread and two sardines. Now what you need to understand is that five pieces of barley flatbread and two sardines was the cheapest meal you could possibly get. The only way that that meal could be made cheaper would be if you had one piece of fish and one piece of flatbread. But this meal was the poorest of the poor in terms of meals. And yet this boy brought it forward to Jesus, his firsts, and said, Jesus, won't you take this and do what only you can do? Did you notice in the scripture 
that it was actually Jesus that instructed the disciples to go and collect the leftovers. Why? Why would Jesus say to his disciples, go and get the scraps? We're not actually told in Scripture why. Many theologians would say, hey, look, you know, there were 12 baskets of leftovers, one for each disciple. Maybe Jesus was making the point that, you know, you need to have a little bit more faith because I can do anything. Maybe Jesus was just saying, hey, count your blessings. When you actually have received enough and there's leftovers, count the blessings. Maybe Jesus was just being really practical. If they're hungry today, they're going to be hungry tomorrow. And so we'll collect the leftovers so that there's still enough provision moving forward. Do you know what? For me, I think that it was because Jesus was wanting to honour the boy's sacrifice. You see, whenever we bring our firsts to Jesus, Jesus takes them and raises it every single time. And I think that because the boy was actually exercising good stewardship, Jesus also exercised good stewardship when it came to what was left. Jesus made sure that the leftovers were taken care of. As the band comes this morning, just want to finish with this. What is good stewardship? What does it actually look like? Well, the first thing that good stewardship does is that good stewardship recognises ownership. See, in Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. See, we don't own anything here. Now, you might argue with me and say, hey, I can show you the registration papers that I own my car or the deed of my house. So if you're like us, the bank has the deed of your house, but that's okay. But as we said right back at the start, we've been blessed in creation. God has given us more than we need. And if you make it, you own it. If you make a cake, you own it. If you make a car, you own it. The earth and everything in it belongs to God. C.S. Lewis, the author of the Narnia series, says in his book, Mere Christianity, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, already his to own. Everything we have belongs to God. And that's where stewardship starts. It's secondly seen in our responsibility. You see, God, who owns everything, delegates responsibility to us to look after his stuff. He's called us to be managers. Whatever we have, we're called to manage well and we have the responsibility to do that. The boy chose to give up his lunch. He wasn't forced to give up his lunch. No one held his arm up behind his back and said, give us your fish. He probably didn't understand what he was actually doing, but he did take responsibility. Whatever I have, 
you take and do with it whatever you need. Thirdly, good stewardship is accountability. You see, if we've been called to manage, then God is going to call into account how well we've managed. Now, this is not an unfamiliar concept to us. Most of us would have a job where we have an upline manager. And so we're accountable to that upline manager. For that boy who brought his meal. The scripture says that Jesus knew what he was going to do, but it was completely dependent on what the boy did next. If the boy chose to put his meal in his pocket, like I'm sure many others did that day, then we wouldn't be reading about this account in the New Testament. But whatever you do, whatever you don't do, there will still be an account that needs to be given. You know what? If that boy chose to put the meal in his pocket, sooner or later, he would have come face to face with Jesus again, either on earth or in the next life. And I would... I know for me, and obviously for this little boy, I don't want to be the person standing before Jesus going, hey, and Jesus looking at me going, I could have done so much more with what I gave you if only you gave me back your firsts. And finally, good stewardship involves a reward. Sometimes that reward is here on earth just like it was for the nearly 15,000 people that were gathered on that hillside that day. They got their reward. They got a full stomach. But for the rest of us, sometimes that reward is going to happen in the next life. You see, in Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, it tells us that there's going to be two different judgments that we're going to face. The first one, We're going to be asked the question, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? And for everyone who can say, hey, look, I love Jesus. I invited him into my life. I wanted him to help me, to guide me, to lead me here on earth. Then God's going to say, well done. That's a great choice. And so your reward is heaven. The second question we're going to be asked is what did you do with what I gave you? All the gifts that we've received from God, all the blessings that we've received from God, what did we do with them? Did we keep them for ourselves or did we use it to bless others? And the Bible actually talks about depending on how we answer that question to God, that there's actually going to be rewards in heaven. I don't know about you, that blows my mind just to think about what what does a reward in heaven look like? You know what, I don't know, but if a reward on earth might look like feeding 15,000 people, imagine what a reward in heaven would actually look like. In conclusion today, today's the last Sunday of 2018, which means many of us are going to be making New Year's resolutions in just a couple of days' time. Can I encourage you? In fact, can I implore you? Let's make one of our New Year's resolutions to be better stewards of what God has given us. 
He's blessed us so abundantly that we have leftovers. Let's not just honour God or try to serve God out of our leftovers. But let's become better stewards. And let's offer God our firsts so that He can bless it, so that He can multiply it, and so that He can use it in ways that we could never even imagine. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 